0: You are tuned into The Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of The Dr. Tina Show, I'm sitting down with my friend, Dr. Stephanie Sir. Dr. Sir is a holistic veterinarian, but that's not what we're talking about today. I know Stephanie through Children's Health Defense Oregon chapter. We both sit on the board, and she is so active politically, and she understands how bills work. She's written bills. She understands how we are supposed to be interacting with our legislators to best optimize our power in government this is a government of we the people in the United States but we the people including myself don't know how to utilize our government appropriately and thus there is a huge divide where politicians run the show and little folks like us don't know what to do and feel disempowered so I brought Stephanie on so we just did a quick civics lesson that I think you're absolutely going to enjoy it's critical information and it's all about medical freedom at the end of the day so let's jump in I hope you enjoy this episode and I really hope you learn a few things but most of all I hope you get active. If you followed me for any amount of time, you know that I am constantly beating the drum on having optimal metabolic health, especially as we age, especially as we are walking into menopause and andropause. It is critical to avoiding all of the chronic lifestyle diseases that we're seeing in popular current society. Here's the deal. My Hands down, best biohack that I have found is the Nutrisense Continuous Glucose Monitor. I love this thing. I use it quarterly to keep tabs on my own metabolic health. And I want to extend a discount to you today as a listener of the Dr. Tina Show You can get $30 off if you head to the show notes, head to the link, use the coupon code Dr. Tina D-R-T-Y-N-A, that'll get you $30 off any subscription. I highly suggest you consider a three to six month subscription so you can really dial in your metabolic health, but any amount of time will be incredibly eye-opening. They have expert dietitians to help you. They've got a really cool app that gauges everything in real time and the dietitians help you figure out what the graphs mean. It's invaluable. Head to the show notes link, NutriSense, Dr. Tina is the coupon code. Let me know how you love it. I can almost guarantee that something eye-opening will be shown to you. Grab it now. Are you magnesium deficient? 75% of people are. Lack of adequate levels of an essential mineral like magnesium is going to impact several systems as hundreds of biochemical reactions in the body are magnesium dependent. Magnesium really is one supplement that I believe to be a non-negotiable when it comes to my daily supplement stack. So how can you tell if you're magnesium deficient? Are you irritable or anxious? Do you struggle with insomnia? Do you experience muscle cramps or twitches? Do you have high blood pressure? Are you sometimes constipated? There are dozens of symptoms of magnesium Magnesium deficiency. These are just a few examples. And while most magnesium products only contain one or two forms of magnesium, I found a blend that contains seven different forms of the mineral. It's called Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers, and I take it every day. Magnesium Breakthrough helps improve my digestion, supports my muscle recovery, and supports healthy bone density. Simplify your life and your routine with this all-natural, full-spectrum magnesium supplement. Head to bioptimizers.com forward slash DrTina and use promo code dr tina during checkout to save 10 on your order in addition to the 10 off you'll get with my link you can get free gifts with purchase up to two travel size bottles of magnesium breakthrough but act fast this is a limited time offer link is in the show notes you know what to do now. Dr. Stephanie Sir, welcome to the Dr. Tina Show. I am so happy to have you here. You are my friend from Children's Health Defense, Oregon. We're both on the board and you are so active here politically. I had no idea how much work you were doing until this last year when I got to know you better. Uh, And I just am so impressed. And what I wanted to do today was bring you on the show because I think that most Americans have no idea what to do. I think many of us feel like we don't agree with what's happening in the government. We don't agree potentially what's happening in, even in our communities, uh, at our in our state, at the state level. And we have no idea what our legislators are doing. We have no idea what the politicians are doing. And we have no idea what kind of power or impact or participation that we can have in the whole system. And that is I think it's such an important conversation to have. And while this is going to be more specific to Oregon, I want the information to be broad enough for the U.S. at large. So welcome to the show. Will you introduce yourself quickly? Thank
1: you. Thanks for having me. Such a pleasure to be here. So I'm Stephanie Sir. I'm an integrative veterinarian. I've been practicing for just a little bit over 20 years. I practiced in California for a while, and then I've moved here to Oregon about three and a half years ago. and um most of my career, I've been integrative, so interested in acupuncture, where I became certified. I do homeopathy and nutrition and Chinese medicine and really try to create the healthiest pets that you know we can have as few pharmaceuticals, but when they're necessary, they're necessary. Um, and that's kind of been my approach. Like, let's see how healthy we can be and try to be responsible for ourselves and our own pets so i try to teach my clients how to take care of their animals so that they don't have to rely on me all the time because as you know doctor in latin means teacher and so yes. i really i really take that seriously and i don't want you to have to you know for me to keep secrets so that you just have to keep coming back to me i really want to share all that information and that's um sort of my perspective when it comes to children's self defense and being active in politics as well i want to teach everybody what i So painstakingly learned (laughs) over the years um, so that we can all be confident and effective activists for the things that are important to us. And it may not be the same things that are important to me. And that's okay. You know, we have to have people working in all sets of of what's important so we can have a great community. So thank you again for having me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember meeting you at the Children's Health Defense event in Ashland, Oregon. You guys invited me to speak and I met with you down in the, the green room and I was like, oh my gosh, she gets it. She's a veterinarian. And I have to say that the last four years, it's been my friends who are veterinarians that really were probably uh, the most agreeable with what my stance was on things. Because they were like, what are the humans doing? <laughs> like what? What? We understand how these things work, and yet, what are the humans doing? And, you know, it's just it's been really interesting. anyway, you and I got along really well. And then you guys uh, invited me onto the board, which I'm so honored to be a part of. And something I do not understand is, how any of the politics works. And last year we had a bunch of bills come forth and then I realized later you had written them and you had put them into play and I had no idea that this was even an option. Like I didn't know people could do that. I I, I mean, I, I quite literally, most of the things you do, I didn't know were possible. I have no idea how to do. I fully admit complete ignorance when it comes to politics. It was something I, unfortunately, like a lot of Americans ignored completely during the past many years. And to the point of like, you know, barely getting through civics class and not paying, and I don't even think they have civics class anymore, but it it really hit me in 2020. I thought, damn, of all things, I wish right now I was a constitutional lawyer. I, I mean, that would have been a preferred angle to have during the past few years. And so as things have, I feel like things have really escalated on the timeline, meaning the craziness that has ensued has just ramped up. And it's almost like, you know, we got thrust into what we got thrust into in 2020. And around here in Oregon, you and I know it was craziness. Um, And you were in California, so like the whole West Coast nonsense. But I feel like it's sped up. I feel like they keep throwing things at us, hoping we won't notice. And in the meantime, it's, to be totally honest with you and from what I've heard from others, it's paralyzing. It, we just, I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what to do. I feel powerless against my own government. Um, this is supposed to be, you know, we the people for the people. The government's supposed to be working for us. We pay their salary. And yet here we are feeling like sitting ducks. So hopefully over the next hour, we can go through some of these high points and really figure out how we can empower ourselves and, you know, make an impact. Agreed, 100%.
1: Yes, it's become, like you said, our lives are so busy. And maybe some of that is purposeful. Um, You know, it used to be where you could raise a family with one income, and you could have, you know, a car and a home and take a vacation and someone at home to, you know, watch over the kids and what's going on in the schools and what's coming across at the school board meetings or the town hall meetings, and you really could have an eye on everything. And now, it's almost impossible because there are so many bills coming so fast. And one of the things I will say that is good in Oregon is that we have some shorter legislative sessions. So it gives us a little time to breathe. Whereas some states like California, they go almost 365 days a year. So it is really quite a marathon when it comes to some of those states. So I guess we're a little lucky in that one little way.
0: (laughs) And, You said something off the air before we started recording, you know, politicians, we've kind of got them up on this pedestal and they're untouchable and they're, you know, we're we're, um, intimidated by them. But, you know, it's supposed to, like you said, it's supposed to be like the local farmer who... And I when I read about the history of the town I live in, Amity, Oregon, that's how it was. Like you know, the people and it still is to some degree. The people who own, you know, big parcels of land who've been here for generations, the people who started it, those family names are still here, those people are active. And I mean, that's how communities are supposed to be ran. And I feel like we've completely lost touch with that. And if I were to walk up to a politician, I don't know what they do. I don't know what to say to them. I don't know how to like, do I go take them to lunch? You know,
1: yeah. So yeah, so you're right. You know, it's supposed to be someone from the community that you know and has been a part of the community and is someone that you feel like is approachable. And it's become this like, oh, they're a senator or oh, they're a representative, and I can't talk to them, and they are so you know untouchable. And really, you know, it's not supposed to be that way. So uh, a lot of them are still, at least in Oregon, having, they do have another job. You know, their main source of income is something else. Um, so that's still true here. Places like California, New York, it's not necessarily true at all. They are full-time legislators, and that's definitely true when it comes to federal legislators. They have no other job than to be your congressperson, um, which I think is unfortunate because it does... Set them up uh, to be untouchable and to feel out of touch with the community because they spend so little time there. But they are just normal people who decided to get involved. Usually they start someplace like the school board and then they make their way up. And so just keep that in mind that it is your neighbor and you should be able to approach them. If they have an attitude that they're un- unapproachable, then let's get them out of office the next time because they really are meant to represent you and you do pay for the building that they work in all the staff that they have, as well as, you know, the, the salary that they make, which granted it's not that much here in Oregon, but nonetheless they,
0: they are supposed to be answering to you. So, Okay, perfect. Good to know. So let's just start off by talking about the general legislative process. Uh, the short versus long session, the House versus Senate, et cetera. Uh, I'll let you jam on this.
1: Okay. So here in Oregon... Um, We have an every other year long session. So this year is an even year, so it is a short session and that's only six weeks. It will start in February and end in the middle of March. Um, It was meant to be cleaning up last year's bill. So, you know, if something went through, it didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to, it needs some amending. Let's come in for these, you know, few weeks and, and clean up some of these issues. Um, Things have changed now. They do try to get bills through that are brand new and maybe even controversial because there's such a short time. People don't even hear it's happening before the session is over. Um, So that is a downfall. And then on the odd years, we have a longer session and that will start in February and go through June. Still not that long when you think about some of the other states that are going almost year round but every other year long versus short. So that's kind of how Oregon works. Um, a lot of states are like that too, where they maybe even go every two years. I think Nevada, if I remember correctly, meets every two years, which is nice. It gives you time in between to kind of rev up, see what's going on, um, you know, get ready for what's coming and, and re- relax and rest in between. Um, okay, so the next would be House versus Senate. So here in Oregon, we have House of Representatives, and then we have the Senate. The two together make up our legislature. Senate is considered a little bit higher up because usually you start in the House of Representatives. It's a two-year elected stint, and every two years you have to re-up. And when you go to the Senate, it's every four years. So there's less senators and more representatives. So representatives have a smaller number of constituents. They represent a smaller area whereas the Senate is going to be a little bit bigger
0: on the map. So that's the difference between House and Senate. So I saw, am I wrong, in Oregon we have senators for each district?
1: Yes, and districts are, you can look them up online to see which district you are in, and it's by zip code. So where you live is is a district. The way it's supposed to be cut up is that people in the district kind of, represent the same things. Like, you know, think of Eastern Oregon, that tends to be more rural, it tends to be, you know, a little slower paced, maybe a little bit more conservative, you head towards Portland, you know, Multnomah County, that district tends to be more, you know, urban, that people might be a little bit more on the progressive liberal side. And so you definitely want someone representing you and people who are like you so that you can have a voice. Whereas if you're kind of the outlier in the middle of this other area, you're going to feel like nobody, there's nobody here to represent me. So they're supposed to cut up the districts to kind of represent both um, how people feel politically as well as kind of geographically. Things have gone a little wonky when it comes to that. There's been some problems with that. The secretary of state's had to get involved, but nonetheless, that's the way districts are divided. So it's um, population and geographically. Okay. And is there
0: state senators as well?
1: Yes. And those are going to represent you in Washington, DC. Okay. So those are also by district and every district has a number and all of them are different. So you're going to have a different district number for your Congress people, your house of representatives and your senators. So you will have four different districts that you are in. So you're going to have your, your U.S. Senator, your U.S. Representative, your State Senator, and your State Representative. So those
0: are your four districts and your four representatives. Okay, that's super helpful. That, that makes a lot more sense to me because it's, I, you know, people who know what they're doing, they'll start talking and that it sounds like jargon to me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we're going to, at the end, talk about how to look up your elected official and let's talk about the capital location. I don't even know, like, what is the whole point of the Capitol and the map of the building where to, like, we don't have to go into that so much for Oregon necessarily, but I don't even think people know what's happening inside that building. Right,
1: right. So the Capitol building, obviously it's Salem here in Oregon, is going to usually it's got that big dome. Every Capitol kind of looks the same. The big dome, and then you'll see like two wings. And one wing is going to be where all these senators' offices are, and this is your state senators. And the other wing will be where all of your representatives' offices are. And then amongst those will be what are called committee hearing rooms. So say if you want to go listen to the committee on education. You would look up like, oh, okay, which room does this committee meet in? And you could go listen to all of the bills that they're hearing about education. And then there are also um, a room that every Senate senator will meet in and a room that every representative will meet in when it's something that's being decided by the entire Senate or the entire House of Representatives. And those are also located in the Capitol building. The governor's office is also located in the Capitol building. So it's the place where all of these people are usually Monday through Thursday, sometimes on Fridays as well. Um, certainly, if you were to set up a meeting on a Friday, they would be there. But they're supposed to come home and be with their families and do some things in their own districts, you know, on the weekends. Um, and they will oftentimes be home during off-session time. So if they're not supposed to be reading bills, But that that's it. I mean, the Capitol has all of those people in it and all of their staffers are in there. Um, there's even the legislative council, which are a bunch of lawyers that are paid for by us, the taxpayer, uh, taxpayers of Oregon who are there to help answer questions that the senators or representatives may have about the law. Um, and also for us to go and ask questions about the law. So it's nice that we have the legislative council. I believe they're in the basement, which sounds kind of sad, but nonetheless, that's where they are.
0: (laughs) And we can sit in on these committees.
1: We can, any one of them. And you can also now, because of um, technology, watch them virtually. And they they have to let you know when they're being held. Do keep in mind, they change things often. So it's not gonna be like, you know, if you and I set a meeting, we would never dare like, change it because we're professionals. But when it comes to these guys, they might go, "Eh, never mind." we decided we're not going to have that meeting today. We're going to have it tomorrow instead. They do move things quite often. So it's never set in stone, which is why it's nice. The virtual stuff is kind of nice because if you were planning on watching it and you drive all the way up to Salem and then
0: they've postponed it, I mean, that's a, a huge bummer. So plus for technology. Okay. Okay. Very cool. All right. Let's Let's talk about lobbyists since we're talking about the roles of everyone. Um, What is a lobbyist and what do they do and how does this all work? Because I, again, have no idea.
1: Yeah, so a lobbyist is a professional. They have to um, register as a lobbyist with Oregon and their job is to represent a group of people or an individual when it comes to either um, a bill or some sort of... Uh, you know, statement that you want made. So take, for example, Oregonians for Medical Freedom. They have a lobbyist and her name is Bobby. And whenever there are bills that are either for medical freedom or against medical freedom, she will go to the Capitol and talk to legislators, senators, and representatives to try to either um, give them information that lets them know why this bill is important and how many people support it and why they too should support it. Or the opposite. How is this going to hurt us? Why do we not want to do this to your constituents? And she's got relationships in the building. These people know her. They trust her. She talks to them often. She sits in on committee hearings and gathers information so that, you know, the rest of us know what's going on. She does. She strategizes, you know, like it would be important to get these people on our page. It would be important to have meetings with this pe- these people or let these people know constituents feel this way or that way because she really understands how the building works and how these different individuals think and what they what's important to them so that we can meet them where they are. And so she is paid um, by the Oregonians for Medical Freedom PAC to do that work for. Her.
0: Okay, so lobbyists are paid. Lobbyists are paid. However,
1: you as an individual can decide you want to be a lobbyist and you could also sign up and and become a professional lobbyist where no one's paying you. You're just doing it for yourself. Um, It, you know, it takes some time to create those relationships and be someone that people will, you know, want to meet with and want to listen to, but certainly you can do it all on your own as well. Um, And then there's just, the activist who is acting as a lobbyist. So like, if there's a bill that I think is really important, I'm technically lobbying if I'm going up to the Capitol and knocking on doors and giving information and trying to talk to these people about how I feel. That's still called lobbying, but you wouldn't be a professional lobbyist. And I believe there is a guide as far as like, you can only spend a hundred hours a month or something doing that on your own before you have to go register.
0: So you don't have to register in order to go lobby for the cause that you're passionate about. And when you do go to lobby, is this only during these short and long sessions or is it year round? It's year round. So you can go
1: anytime you want. And you know, those legislators may or may not be in the building. So it's always a good idea to call ahead if there's a specific person you want to talk to, but their aides and their staffers are usually there year round, just, you know, not including holidays and things like that, where you could just go knock on the door and say, Hey, you know, I know you're the chief of staff for Senator Linthicum. I would really like to share this information with you. It's important to me. Do you have 10 or 15 minutes? And usually they do, especially, you know, the staffers. They're not as busy with, you know, things that they've signed up to do. And that's usually where it starts. It's a little bit more um, difficult to just knock on a door and talk to a senator. But you can. It happens, definitely. But their staffers are just as important. If you can change their minds, they're going to take something to, you know, their representative or
0: their senator and say, hey, this is important. You really need to look at this. Okay, so can you give a quick, and we don't have to spend too much time on it, but maybe some you know, three to five tips that you would give to somebody who wanted to go lobby on their own or maybe in a small group like we do. I know that Children's Health Defense Board members go to Salem. Um, I have not gone yet. I do not know what I'm supposed to do. So what, what would you tell me if I were like, hey, you know what, I live a half an hour from Salem, I'm going, mm-hmm. what do I do? I would say, number one, dress professionally. Definitely.
1: (laughs) How how we represent ourselves is important. Um, Number two, make sure that you have clear talking points and it doesn't have to be a lot, you know, pick three to five things that are important to you, write them down ahead of time so that you feel confident in, you know, sharing those points with them. For example, um, I would say health freedom is important to me. And I would pick three reasons why. Mm -hmm. One, you know, bodily autonomy. My body, my choice. I think we can all agree that I should be able to choose what goes into my body and what goes into my child's body. Number 2, um, you know, something like my child has a right to an education whether or not they follow these guidelines that the CDC puts out. Don't you agree that every child in this state has a right to an education? In fact, the constitution even says so. You know, pick some some points that are, you know, Kind of surface, but at the same time, really something we can all agree on. I wouldn't go in guns a, a blazing with, you know, anything that somebody might consider a conspiracy theory, like really start with the facts and what's important to you and make sure it's just three to five points that you're comfortable sharing Um always be polite. I think it's very important, even if they're not treating you well, which they they do. I mean, Oregon people are really nice. California is another story. But, you know, make sure you're treating them respectfully. Know who they are. I wouldn't show up and knock on a door and be like, well, where am I? Who is this? Know that you're, you know, it says it right on the outside. This is, you know, representative um, Davis, And you just, know who they are before you go in there. And if you are their constituent, meaning they are your representative or your Senator, make sure you tell them that, you know, introduce yourself. I'm your constituent. I wanna talk about these things that are important to me. Do you have a few minutes? I think that's the best place to start. Are you able to make appointments with these folks? And you are, yes. You could call ahead and say, I really wanna speak with you. Are you available? What's the date and time where we could meet? know that you may only be speaking with an aide or a chief of staff and that's fine. And sometimes they'll change it on you. You thought you were meeting the representative instead you're meeting a staffer. That's okay. You just make another meeting and make another meeting and eventually, you know, you'll get face to face with your representative, but yes, they they are supposed to be available for meetings with you. That's their job. Okay. <laughs>
0: this is, this requires some tenacity. It does. I think something I would probably request, um, if I were or or I should say I would like if I were to go do something like this, I would probably want to go with somebody who knows what they're doing first. Would you suggest people just sort of maybe tag along and quietly observe for a round or two? I think it's a good idea. There are some people who are ready to
1: go and they feel really confident about it. Maybe they've done a lot of you know, public speaking or have engaged with, you know, maybe their school board or something a lot, and they're ready to go. And that's fine. If you feel like you're ready, do it. If not, it's always good to go with someone first. That's how I started. So in California, when I was fighting, you know, some legislation for medical freedom, I started by going with people who had been doing it for a number of years. Uh, and I watched how they did it. And then I felt a lot more comfortable going, you know, on my own and I typically go on my own anyway, it's more fun to go with someone else. Because if you forget a point, and they're there to back you up to say, "Oh yeah, here's that statistic or here's that study," because that's what you and I would do. Um, it's it's great to have that other person there, but n- no harm, no foul. If you if you feel like it didn't go well, they're still just people. We're all just human. Try again and do it next time.
0: You need you and I need to make an appointment to do this. <laughs> we need to go. T- we need to go make it happen because I think we'd be a power duo. That would. That would be good. Okay. All right. So this is, that's really helpful information. So we now know the difference between the house, the Senate, the U.S. house, the U.S. Senate, the, or I mean, our state level, our district level, and then the roles of lobbyists. Cause I, you know, and then when people say, go talk to your legislators, what are legislators? Is is that these people that we just talked about? People. Yep. So
1: they're called legislators because they create legislation, which is laws. So it's your senators and your representatives. They are your legislators.
0: I've never been big on skincare, but recently started getting more serious as the signs of aging are definitely showing. I've recently started using an incredible skincare line and I'm excited and wanted to share with you. The past few years, my skin has been doing this annoying combo between an allergic prickly heat rash and a perimenopausal rosacea and it drives me nuts. My buddy Andy Nilo owns a skincare line and so I reached out to him for help. Andy is the best dude, and he kindly sent me a big box of products to try, and let me just say, wow, I am in love with Alatura Skincare. Each and every product from Alatura is a game changer for my skin. The products feel amazing, and my skin is calm and clear again. Alatura is handcrafted natural skincare. Their mission is simple to provide customers a skincare wellness experience with products made of superior natural ingredients packed with nutrients, minerals, and natural growth factors. Alatura is the skincare line I've been looking for, and it checks all the boxes. It's all natural, cruelty free, non toxic, non GMO, and as organic as possible. Listeners of the Dr. Tina show can now save 20% off your first order by heading to alitura.com. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com. And be sure to use code Dr. Tina at checkout for the discount or simply click the link in the show notes. You're going to love it. Now, in regards to interacting with these folks, we've talked about it a bit, but tell me the benefits or, you know, like... What's more potent? What's a better use of time when we're discussing phone calls and emails, town halls, uh, sending letters, like what is a good strategy here for folks?
1: Yeah. So um, I, what we want is numbers. So they know for every one email or snail mail letter they get, that's probably represents a thousand people with the same view who just aren't taking the time or are too afraid to send in that email. So um, when you send in an email, there are a lot of templates out there that you can use. And I will say the click and send, they're good. We definitely wanna do them, but a real email that you have taken the time to create yourself is gonna get past all of the spam, bot, all that kind of stuff and get to them. And they are required by law to record every person's vote. So say if it's specifically about a bill, like I'm for this bill or I'm against this bill, they're required to tally that up and you know look at it as your Senator or your representative. So emails are great. If you wanna send a snail mail letter, they're, they're just as good. Um, phone calls I think are really easy as well because typically who's gonna answer the phone is gonna be a staffer. And they just wanna know your name, what your district is. They may ask you for your zip code because they wanna make sure you are actually a constituent. Um, And then you can just say, I want this Senator to vote yes or no on this bill and keep it short and simple. Or you may just wanna say, hey, I'm just calling to remind my Senator that medical freedom is important to me and I don't want mandates. You know, you can do that over and over again and they have to record these opinions and look at them before they go in and vote on something. So it can be scary. A lot of people start with calling after hours because there's a recorded voicemail. And then you get used to just leaving a message for your senator and nobody picks up the phone. That's where I started. All (laughs) right. Okay. That's a good good pointer. (laughs) Yep. And then it got to be where I was comfortable calling like on my lunch break. And then it was like, okay, I'll call anytime now because I'm used to it. And, you know, Catherine Green, who's our president, she loves to call and really take these people to task. So she will spend hours and hours and hours talking to a staffer, educating them. I I don't do that, but it's great if you have the time. I typically have the time for that short and sweet, and this is how I feel, and I'm moving on. And they're always very polite thank you. We'll let the Senator know we're taking, you know, we're taking this down. Thank you so much. They're never going to hang up on you or say something rude because they're just really not allowed to. So don't think anyone's going to yell like anti-vaxxer at you or laugh at you. It's just not going to
0: happen. You don't know what they're thinking in their head, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> no, that's helpful to know. That's This is this is good guidance. Um, a couple of times I submitted messages through a portal on a legislator's website. And often I it would take months before I'd even get a response back. Are they required to respond to you to let you know that they received it? And is that normal that it takes that long?
1: They're not required to let you know they received it. Some of them do, some of them don't. Um, and it can take a long time, especially if you go, that route, which is why a phone call or an email that's separate just to their email address can be faster. Um, okay. But some of those, I'll even, it'll even be two weeks sometimes before they respond to me, you know, thank you for that email, especially if you're a constituent. So one point I want to make about that being a constituent and not is that if if you are calling a committee, like say, the Committee on Health is meeting, and the members on that committee are not your elected representative, At that moment in time, they are representing you because they are the ones who will be voting on this bill in that committee. So I will call those people and I usually tell that to the staffer or I write it in an email like I know that I am not in Senator so-and-so's district. But right now, as the chair of the health committee, you're representing all of Oregon, which means you are representing me. And I want you to know this is how I feel. So don't let them strong arm you because they'll try, oh, you're not a constituent of his. So we don't care what you say. Oh, no, 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 right now, because my representative is not on that committee. You are representing me.
0: And then okay. they kind of they kind of shut up about it and go, Okay, you're right. That's really helpful. How would you suggest people start? Would it be is there a way that we can and would it be important and prudent to start with knowing who everybody is in your four? You said four districts. Yep. So knowing who everyone is and perhaps reaching a handout to those people specifically to start. um, Yes, I would say that's the best way to start. Yeah, just look
1: up who is your state senator, your state representative, your federal senator, and your federal representative. Know who they are. And um, I don't have my district numbers memorized, you know, and I do this a lot. But um, just knowing who those four people are and then maybe sending an email about something that's important to you hi, you know, Senator, so Senator Knope is my Senator. Senator Knope, um, I'm a constituent. I haven't been active before. I just want you to know that medical freedom is really important to me. And I would hope that you would support that. And, you know, just leave it it there as an introduction. Um, Look on their websites because they all have a website that will tell you a little bit about who they are so that you know where do they come from, what things are important to them. So when you do connect with them, you're, you have an ask, you always have an ask, like my ask is you just to support medical freedom, but then you also wanna give them, they work hard, give them a compliment. Like, I know that, you know, you think that X, Y, and Z is very important and thank you for that. You know, thank you for your hard work for keeping our water clean or keeping our air clean or whatever it might be that they do so that they also know you're not just using them, you're interested in what they do as well. And on that website, they should have when their town halls are. Town hall could be virtual or it could be in person or a combination. And that's where they're meeting in your area. So it's usually like, you know, down the street at, you know, the local um, library or something like that, and you can go and sit and hear what they have to say, because they are responsible for educating you on what's going on at the Capitol. And then also for you to ask questions. And it's a great way to get to know them. Some of them will have little coffees where you can, you know, sit with them, have some coffee, ask some questions. So, you know, if you can, they're usually during the week, it's hard for working people, but if you can make one, if they, if you can schedule far enough in advance, a little time in in your day, where you could just say, Hey, I'm going to go meet this person and, you know, hear what they have to say and make sure they know your face. And then when you're coming again and again and calling again and again,
0: they know that you're serious. Well, this really matters too, because it's easy to paint. We just saw such a ridiculous amount of propaganda and division the past few years. And it, in my opinion, was very intentional. And it, it, you know, it's easy to paint a swath and I'm guilty of it too. It's like, oh, these people, right? And that's actually an NLP technique. It's a technique in marketing. It's a technique in neuro-linguistic programming. It's them, us and them. Yep. So you and I and them, that is a marketing strategy and them are the bad guys, right? And so it's really easy to sort of paint that picture. But when somebody comes in, who's well put together, they're articulate, they're kind, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but you're able to speak your mind with confidence uh, and you bring information. I mean, I feel like so many of our representatives in Salem don't actually even Maybe potentially don't even have any idea of what's going on. Reading the data that you and I are reading, you know, and so representing well and showing up and and letting them put that image in their head of like, oh, this is somebody who's actually intelligent has something to say, and she's on the other team, you know. Maybe the other team isn't made up of a bunch of whack jobs, (laughs) you know. Right. I I don't know.
1: I I like what you just said about bringing information. I I forgot that when we were talking about when you show up. It's always great to have something that you can hand them. So I used to make these little um, folders that were just kind of a thick blue cardboard, and then I would hole punch some like whether it was a study I wanted them to know or a newspaper article that I thought was, you you can trust those these days, but was pertinent. And I would put a couple of things together. And after I was done, I would say, you know, this is for you. I'd appreciate it if you would look through this. And don't put a lot in there. You don't want to show up with a binder. You want to keep it little bite-sized pieces of information, you know, one study, one article, and then, you know, hand it off to them so they can kind of look at that, read it and then next time come with something more. So you're just building on that. And I know, you know, Catherine loves to give them books and that's great, you know, but their chances of them reading it might be slim to none. So maybe you're pulling out some graphs from a book or in photocopying them or or somebody's interview with a link that you think they'd be interested in. But such a great point, Tina, that you wanna have something that you can leave behind so they remember
0: you. And an easy way to do this, which you know seems off topic, but it's not, using ChatGPT is such a great way to truncate and organize information. And you can literally, if it's a book that's popular that's out, you can ask ChatGPT to summarize it for you, and it'll give you. And then you you can ask it to put it in bullet points. You can take um, a few key paragraphs out of a study, and you can put it into chat GPT and ask it to bullet point it for you or put it in a table format and it'll do it. So there's, there's ways to get this information truncated down. Cause I know that's the bulk of the work, at least for me, that's what it feels like. It's like, oh my gosh, like I know by scanning the study, what it says, but for me to sit there and put it into, you know, really, well, like fifth grade. And, and that's not to disrespect any of the legislators. That's just, again, marketing one-on-one, like you have to explain things in like a fifth to seventh grade level. And I think that's been a key to my success online is that I explain everything as if I were explaining it to a fifth grader. So, and that's not to, uh, again, to discredit my audience's intelligence level. That's just the best way to get information across. And so you can ask ChatGPT to say it, like, please explain this like you're explaining it to a fifth grader. And it'll give you a nice summary. And then you can take that and print that off and bring that, you know, bring that with you. So you're not like, here, read this 80 page medical study.
1: (laughs) They're not going to read. Right. (laughs) So that they can go make sure you weren't lying. That's a beautiful idea. I love that.
0: Yeah. And books too. Like I said, so there's ways to get this information summarized and truncated and bullet pointed down so that you can have something that you can say, Hey, can you please check this out? And then maybe include the whole study. So they know that you're not making it up. Right. Whatever. However you want to do that. But, um, Always back. I am a big fan of backing everything up with data. One of my favorite ways to argue with people is when they start with me. I'm just like, may I obliterate you with data? (laughs) And we don't want, we don't necessarily want to come off that way because that sounds preachy and bossy and it turns people off. So that's that's an arguing strategy, not a, you know, trying to get somebody to actually uh, take action. So, all right. So let's talk really quickly. I think we covered this, but um, how to become active. Like, what are kind of the, I mean, we just talked about how to be active in, at the Capitol building, but like, how do we do this in general in our communities with organizations? Yeah. Well, nationally, you
1: know, children's health defense is everywhere. It's even international. So it's in other countries. It's a great place to start sign up for the emails, both at the national level and at your state level. So almost all I would be guessing, but I think 36 states now have chapters. So Oregon has its own Children's Health Defense chapter, which you and I sit on the board. Um, So signing up for your individual state emails, too, because those are going to give you what's going on here in Oregon as far as things you should know about and get involved with, like bad bills, good bills, um, you know, things going on with EMF, things going on, you know, with education. And so make sure you've got both a grip on a local level and on a national level. Um, There's also Oregonians for Medical Freedom sign up for their emails as well, because they also have a a powerhouse and a lobbyist. And so they need lots of volunteers and lots of help as well. Um, Children's Health Defense has most of our counties have an ambassador here in Oregon. So there are local meetings. So like I'm in Deschutes County. We try to get together every month or so and have either a topic we're going to speak about, or maybe we have a speaker coming in who's teaching about health. And you're getting to be with members of your community, and we talk about what's going on in our county, like what are our um, local elected officials doing, what's happening at our school boards, what's happening, you know, down the street, things that you need to know about. And it covers, you know, a bunch of topics that Children's Self Defense cares about. And you're also meeting people who can be friends and support system for you. I know through these past you know, four years, it's been um, pretty divisive. So having just a place where you can find other people who are very different from you in a lot of ways, but this is the one thing that we all really care about and we can support each other on. I've made a ton of friends that way. I've met a lot of practitioners who are holistic that way so that you know you're getting like, who's the best dentist? Who's the best naturopath? Who's the chiropractor? I should see who's like on our page. It's just a great resource and and a great community. Um, So I think those are the best ways to get involved. And we need lots of volunteers. So you can do as little or as much as you want when it comes to helping out. But the more people who are willing to be there to do some things, the more powerful we are and the, the bigger impact we can have.
0: Yes, absolutely, and don't underestimate your skill set. So, if you're a graphic designer in Oregon and you want to help us, you know, please come. Oh my, yeah, it, social media, tech, like. Uh, maybe you're good at copywriting. Maybe you're good at whatever whatever skill set that you have. It doesn't mean you have to necessarily go man the booths or stand at tables and, you know, deal with other people if you don't even want to. But if you can bring your particular skill set to the table and help these organizations, uh, you really can help everybody level up. I think that's, you know, a great way to bring your gifts to the world for a cause that matters to you and through through a, an organized uh group that has some backing behind it and it's better than getting angry and going on rants on social media by yourself
1: absolutely and keep in mind these are all volunteer unpaid organizations so none of us are getting paid to do this we're all doing it because we're passionate and people do get burned out so the more help we have the more we are able to continue going and if you do have some funds and you can donate Thank you. Please do. You know, there are costs behind this, whether it's printing out materials, paying for speakers, paying for books, you know, taking the time to go up and, and you know, lobby does take some funds. So we would appreciate any donations that you, that you could maybe put forward even if all of our members who are on our email list right now, gave us $2 a month. It would fund us for a whole year. Wow.
0: That's all we need. Just
1: a $2. Give up. It's not even a cup of coffee.
0: (laughs) That would be powerful. And it also keeps you abreast of what's going on. And so when nonsense starts coming down the chute, you know, you're you're notified. You know when it's time to rally, you know when it's time to organize and group up and and start having conversations, you know. So, and you're really good about keeping me and the board up to date and I and the an Oregon chapter. And I i know that the National Children's Health Defense, it does a spectacular job of really staying on top of the news of what's happening. Um, so that's just, I mean, th- that national email that I get almost every day, I think it comes out daily. Like that's how I know what's going on. And yeah, really important. So, and again, if, if all you can do is give money, money is great too. Any way that you can support the I don't want to say the fight, but that's really what it, you know, in some places that's what it's coming down to. So I was on the association for uh, the Oregon uh, Naturopathic Association and uh, doctor association and I left that organization so that I could come be on this board because this was way closer to my heart at the end of the day. Uh, without medical freedom, what's the point of even being a doctor, right? So <laughs> I I felt, and you guys are my people. And so like you said, it helps you find your people. There's been times when I've invited followers to some of our events and uh, folks will come and they all say the same thing at the end. They're like, thank you so much for inviting me today or notifying me or whatever it was. Uh, I found my people today. You know, I don't feel so alone. And this has been, it's been so isolating. And I think again, that was partially intentional. And its it's been a lonely few years for a lot of people who are, maybe they've lost their entire family through this saga and they've lost all their friends and they've lost their jobs and they've, you know and they're, they're feeling alone, there are other people. And again, I think you and I are old enough to remember when politically, I used to sit around with Republican friends, Democrat friends, far, far, I mean, I used to have employees that were like far left wing. I had employees that were super conservative. Everybody got along in the office. Everybody was there for, you know, and we could have conversations that were intellectual and we could challenge each other. And it always made you think a little harder. And being open to someone else's perspective, whether or not you agree with it or not, is not the point. And I, I feel like we've all just gotten on our teams and we're losing. And I know that, you know, RFK talks about this a lot and it, the The team thing this is this has got to go away. And so being a part of an organization where, you know, you might be in there with people of different ages, different backgrounds, different beliefs on some other fundamental issues. But we're, like you said, we're we're in the one thing that matters to us, the fight, yeah,
1: and we have to be able to disagree because like that's how science works. You have to have someone challenge you. You have to disagree and you still have to be okay with, well, that's not how I think that works or that's not what I think about that topic, but we agree on this and let's work together so that we can maintain this fundamental right to choose what goes into our bodies. Whether you believe in you know, border control, or you don't, or you, think it. none of that matters if, like you said, if we aren't free to choose, so it goes into our body, none of the rest of it matters. So let's just all come together on what we agree on. And I remember a 100% exactly what you're talking about. You know, in college, I remember I had some friends who were so conservative when it came, you know, to financial things. And I was always just fascinated by, well, why do they think that? And where does that come from? And I was always just curious. And that curiosity and, you know, exchanging ideas definitely, you know, helped me to decide what I actually believed versus what I had read or what my family believed. And that's, I think, how we learn and grow. And some of those people are still to this day, some of my closest friends, and we disagree on things and we laugh about it. It's just totally fine. And that's how we need that again. Just like RFK says, heal the divide. We have to come together. Or
0: they right. win, they,
1: <laughs> they, them, them. Yeah. <laughs> mega <Megacorp>. yes, yes,
0: <laughs> the the evil empire as I call it. But you know, I do think I will say, as someone who grew up in Portland, very liberal uh, city with very conservative parents, I was always sort of right in the middle. And it's really hard to be a moderate and sit and look at both sides. And um, my husband and I tease each other because we will watch some extreme content from both sides and we'll be like did you hear this and you know we it, and it's it's hard it's hard to sometimes listen sit down and listen to it but all that to say is um it is just an exposure issue most often i found with people if somebody Like I had colleagues in chiropractic college that came from really small rural towns. And when they showed up in Portland, they were like, they had never honestly ever hung out with people of color or they had never hung out with, you know, the LGBTQ community. And they just were almost scared of it. But instead of it, it, the fear comes off as an ism, as, you know. Uh, racism or homophobia or something like that, when it all it literally is, is just an exposure issue. And the more we can be, I mean, that's why travel is so awesome, right? Like the more that we can be exposed to different people, find common ground, that's how humans are meant to function and thrive. It's not...
1: Yes. I'm like you. I grew up in the California Bay Area, which my cousin calls, you know, a Benetton catalog. She's like, you know, (laughs) not everybody grew up in a Benetton catalog like (laughs) you, like you. They weren't exposed to all these cultures and different ways of thinking. And it was was a blessing, I think, you know, and but I also recognize that people who didn't have that exposure, again, it doesn't mean like what you said. They're not a racist, they're not a bigot, they're not a whatever phobe. They just need to be exposed to it. Most humans are really good. And most humans are really accepting. And I feel like it's it's a propaganda thing to make us feel that we're not. And um, I'm just really not for that we we will all come together when given the opportunity, we will help each other, we will support each other, we will do the right thing when given the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. And, and it goes both ways. I now live in a rural conservative community of farmers and uh, Christian farmers. And I had, you know, I was, I was a bit, um, you know, I, I used to, when I met my husband, I was like, honestly, I thought all the folks from out here were just a bunch of hicks. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant. You know, I mean, full disclosure, I was just like the snobby urban girl who had not ever been around just salt of the earth folks who worked their land. And, you know, it's just exposure, right? Like being in this community has completely changed my mind about so many things that I just had been really flippant about because I was like, oh, I grew up in the suburbs in the city. And so again, just the more exposure that we can have to different walks of life, I think is the critical factor here.
1: So, so true. Cause my, I think I've told you this, my husband is Hawaiian and, um, we were looking at places to move, I was like, well, maybe we should go to Idaho. I feel like they're pretty solid medical freedom. And he was like, no, don't you know, there are white supremacists there and they won't like me. And I was like, really? Oh, no idea. And we went like after we moved to Oregon already, we went on vacation there because it was one of the only places open during COVID. And he was like, oh, they got me. The propaganda. They got me. They're not here. They're not like that and it makes you realize we're all susceptible to that sort of propaganda and playing on our fears and our lack of exposure and our lack of knowledge it's very true
0: you make such you make such a good point it comes from fear because he was afraid they wouldn't like him or that they would be racist against him yeah i was afraid that you know the folks out here when i moved out here honestly god i was scared i was like i think the folks out here are going to think i'm just a dumb suburban girl and treat, treat me as such, like treat me as like a bougie city girl who doesn't know anything. And, and that's where this, it all stems from fear. At the end of the day, our, oh, I don't know, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is that they're playing on, they're playing on the fear. And that's, I have to check myself and be like, am I coming from a place of authenticity or am I coming from a place of fear? And usually it's do things that scare you, right? Go get exposure to things that might formerly have frightened you and you will see that humans are pretty awesome at the end of the day. Okay, so just for the folks, this part's going to be more Oregon specific and then we'll wrap it up, but every state has a legislative information system, is that correct?
1: Right. Yes. And ours here in Oregon is called OLIS legislative oh, legislative legislature sorry, Gov. And if you go to that website, you can do a number of things. And this is going to be true for every state. You're going to be able to go to that website and look up by your address who your legislators are. You know, who's your representative and who's your senator um, in that state. And you're also going to be able to look up every bill that's coming through that session and every committee, what they're hearing and when they are meeting. So that website is something that you should find and familiarize yourself with and make sure that you know exactly where you need to look. Um, I'm happy to share my screen if you'd like and show you what Oregon's look like um, if if you want me to. Yes. So this is ours for finding your legislator and it's www.oregonlegislature.gov. And if you go right here, where it says find your district and legislators, you need your, your whole address, I'm going to put mine in, but once you put that in there um, and you hit go, it will tell you who your um, representative is and who your senator is. And then on that same place, this one here that says OLIS is where you can click and it will take you to looking at, move our, our faces down, to bills. And I think this is the most next important thing. So if you know the bill number, if you're like, oh, I heard that SB 254 is really bad, you can put that in. I don't know if there's an actual 254 and then hit go and no, no results found. But if there were one, you could click on it, open it up, read what it's about, and then also see where it's moving. You know, which committee is it going to be in? Uh, when's it? When are there dates where you could um, write in and say you support it or you don't, or dates you could, you know, show up and call in and give your support. So really quickly, I think those are the two most important things to know about that website is how to find your legislator and how to find bills. And typically, if you're more novice at this, you're going to be hearing from like our email, like there's a bill that's great or there's a bill that's bad. And you can go put the number in and, and track it.
0: Okay. Now quickly, I know that in Oregon, and maybe it's Oregon um, medical freedom group, the or Oregon for medical freedom, is there they track the bills, don't they? Don't they have a website where they kind of keep you abreast of what's happening? Yes. And
1: that is gonna be uniteoregonnow.com. And when there are bills that you, we think are important for medical freedom, you can come to this website, how to follow bills. And this is actually kind of a, a cool thing if you wanted to do it. Um, Nicole DeGraff here will actually walk you through on these little videos, exactly how to receive emails about that bill from Oregon legislature themselves. So And oh, cool. then going through there and, and signing up. So I actually, get emails um, when there's a bill I'm watching telling me that it's moving so that I don't even have to keep checking myself. And that's through this little process here. So I would watch Nicole, Nicole tell you how to do that.
0: And again, okay. that Unite Oregon Now, and this is the homepage. Okay. we'll we'll put all the links in the show notes. Yeah. Perfect. That's very helpful. Okay, so that takes us to Oregon Legislation 101, which you just clicked on. Tell us about that. Yes, so this is an in-person training. People from CHD,
1: myself included, people from Oregonians for Medical Freedom, we are going to be in Salem giving tours to anybody who wants to get familiar with the Capitol so that you walk in there and know where you're going and feel really good about it. So we're meeting in Salem at 10.30 at a place called Box. Um, It's off. It's just a a couple blocks away from the Capitol because the Capitol is under construction right now. So a lot of the places we used to meet like inside the Capitol are are closed down. And so we're going to meet there. There's an 11 a.m. tour and then a 1 p.m. tour. So show up and we're going to have bullet points, both from Oregonians for Medical Freedom and from CHD that talk about the things that are important to people in our community That you can take with you if you want to give them to legislators or just take home with you to think about. But those two tours we're going to take you straight through. Here's where the committee um, meetings happen. Here's where the senators offices are. Here's where the House of Representative offices are. Here is what we call the Senate floor and the House floor where The entire group meets to vote on a bill and here's the governor's office. And then, you know, we're going to pop our heads in with some friendly legislators and say hi so that you guys can meet some of our medical freedom friendly people um, and just get to, to feel how comfortable you should be, how approachable these people really are. So it's really just the beginning of training on how do I go to the Capitol and what would lobbying look like? We welcome you to make meetings with your representatives. If you can get a meeting that day, first come, first serve, we'll be happy to show up with you and you can watch how we do it and or we can just support you if you want to talk to them for those, you know, 15 minutes, 30 minutes tops is typically the length of a meeting. So know that you've got to have your your bullet points ready to go. But It's really meant to just familiarize you and make it less scary to go to the Capitol and engage with your representatives. I love that. February 9th, if I didn't say February
0: 9th. February 9th. And then those meetings, they should schedule after the 1 p.m. tour because you guys are going to be busy that whole first part of the morning. So it should be afternoon. Yes. And
1: you do have to make those um, calls ahead of time. So start calling now if you want an appointment on that day, you're probably not gonna get a last minute meeting with one of your representatives.
0: Okay. I will not be there. I'm gonna be in Hawaii for my 50th birthday. So I will send you all good strength and good vibes. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> awesome. Hawaii's <sounds> fun.
0: <laughs> yes, I need it. I need to I need to go dry out a little bit. Yes, some fun. Stephanie, is there anything else that we haven't discussed that you want to make sure that everybody hears?
1: Um yeah, I mean, I would say one thing to just kind of keep on your your radar, and I don't know that it's going to rear its ugly head this short session. I haven't seen, I've been searching through the bills coming up for keywords like vaccine or mandate and, you know, certain things you can search for. But our um, kindergarten entry vaccination rates for school in Oregon have gone down. So what the public health people want is like a 95% coverage. So they want 95% of incoming you know, kindergartners who have had all the shots required for school. And if they drop below that 95%, it's an average rate, they start to worry about outbreaks. So just know that our kindergarten rates have dropped below that 95%. So I am guessing the next session, there's going to be a bill to try to remove our non-medical exemptions, which are usually a personal belief or a religious um, belief in in this case for why you don't want to vaccinate your kids. And they've come for it several times before. The most recent was 2019, a a bill called HB 3063, which stands for House Bill, meaning House of Representatives. It came from Sherry Helt, in the, who's no longer um, elected, Yay. but um, nonetheless, I would start gearing up and start um, planning, you know, whether that's a, a mental gear up, whether that's getting the, you know, statistics and, you know, relearning all the things we, we knew back when we were fighting HB 3063 about why it doesn't matter if these kids are vaccinated or not, and also looking at, those constitutional aspects. We all have a right to an education. We all have a right to access society. Just start kind of, you know, preparing yourself. There's probably a fight coming in
0: 2025. Okay. Yeah. Educate yourselves, people. It's not good to come in with anger. That 2019 session had some, there was some Blips uh, from folks who were angry and it really set the stage and and left everybody with a bad taste in their mouth for everybody who was fighting for medical freedom. So we don't need that again. We need calm, educated uh, presence. Level-headed people, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. Well, this has been so helpful, honestly, and I hope that all the listeners got a lot out of it as well because this pertains to your state and this was basically a quick civics lesson. (laughs) from Stephanie, sir, Um, really, really helpful, really important to get involved. Again, educate yourself, keep yourself abreast, try to find your community, try to find organizations that are doing some of this work for you so that you can, like she just showed the, uh, the website where everything was already listed. There are people, there are boots on the ground doing the work, get involved and support them however you can with your talents or your finances or your time.
1: Yes, yes, please, 100%. Thank you, Dr. Tina. That was great. And I'm so glad that it was helpful. And I'm so glad that you were able to do this with me because you are such a powerhouse and you reach so far. And I think that you have the power to educate so many. So I really, really appreciate you.
0: Thank you, lady. You're going to have to take me to Salem and show me how to do it. (laughs)
1: I will. You got
0: it. It's a date. All right, all right. Everybody listening to the show, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love to hear back from you. You can email email us at podcast at drtina.com and please rate, review and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. It really helps get the word out. I'm just trying to help people gear up for what is coming. Like Stephanie mentioned, there are a few battles I think that are coming and we need to know what we're doing this next round and we need to be more organized. So with that, I will bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to the show and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at drtina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A, and Dr. Tina 2 as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a resonant media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week.